0: Thank you, brother. Okay. Well, it's fun to be back with you guys. Thank you for having me. Um, We're going to do things a little differently today because I'm a different kind of guy. We're going to spend some time actually in reflection like we were just led through. Um, And so just know that this is going to be somewhat interactive. This will not be 30 minutes of me just talking because I don't want to listen to myself talk for 30 minutes. But we're going to jump in up to our eyeballs to start with, and then we're going to slow down from there. So to jump in, I have a question, and this is my opening question. What is the biggest problem in the world? And I'm going to take two things off the table right away. (laughs) It's not politicians, sorry. And I know we're in church, so I'm going to take sin off the table as well. So it's not politicians and it's not sin. What is the biggest problem in the world? Yeah, what do you got? COVID is a problem. Not the biggest problem, though. What else? Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) What else you got? Yeah. People idolizing themselves. That's definitely a problem. Anyone else? One more. Separation from God. So, I'm going to use one word to define that, it's division. right? The biggest problem in the world is division. So, what do I mean by that? Well, when you look around the world and we see political unrest, well, that's the cause of division. When we look and we see warring countries, it can be because of politics, it could be because of religion, but it's at its root because of division. When we see families that separate, it's because of Division. Now yes, sin was the root, the original, original, original root, which divided us from God. But the long-lasting effects are division. Division between us and God, and then division between man. So then what's the solution? Well, I think we can actually find the solution in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthian churches. It's the second letter that we have on file, and it's the fifth chapter, and it says this. And this is going to read this from the message version, okay? So if you um, don't have the message version, just listen. Now we, and again, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. We look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with Jesus gets a fresh start, is created new. We would all mostly probably nod and agree with that. That's that's a true statement. We understand it. Don't know that we live it, but we understand it. The old life is gone, and a new life emerges. We're going to come back to that. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and Him. In other words, all this comes from the God, from our God, who reconciled us to Him. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. In other words, to reconcile each other. Interesting, right? We don't talk a lot about that. God put the world square with himself through Jesus, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. We are Christ's representatives. We're his ambassadors. What are we ambassadors of? Reconciliation. Reconciling people to God and people amongst each other. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work. And in Paul's explanation here, enter into God's work of making things right between people. Well, that's interesting. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Jesus, in Christ. Okay, so that is chock full of good stuff, as the Bible usually is. So where I want to start is this idea of being reconciled to God. Again, I think those of us who are believers understand that cognitively. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I am therefore reconciled with God. But what does that actually, functionally, practically, literally mean day to day? It means that my heart of stone is now gone and I have God's heart within me. I have a heart of flesh. Visualize, I have a direct pipe to the heart of God. And whatever God cares about, I now have the ability to care about. I don't in my flesh, I don't in my natural state, but I have the ability to do that. Scripture also says I now have the mind of Christ. I can now think like Jesus thinks. I can think about the things that Jesus thinks about and the way that he thinks about them. And I have the Spirit, which will lead me and remind me and teach me and guide me and comfort me, etc., etc. We have the ability to live that way every day, all day. That's, the reco- that's being reconciled. I've been reconciled, and I'm now living in that reconciliation. So here's the deal. Most of us don't live that way. Most of us live like we actually haven't been reconciled to God. It's still on us. It's still on me to figure it out. It's still on me to figure out what I need to do and how I need to do it. It's still on me to pursue and to solve and to resolve. Yet you're swimming in a sea of reconciled power and ability and connection. So what's God's motive? What's God's driver in all of this? It's love. It's love for me, it's love for you, and it's unconditional. I think I could convince you, if given enough time, that if we received God's love on a regular basis, if we were constantly aware of his love for us, a lot of our problems in life would go away. We would feel safe regardless. We would feel secure regardless we would feel guided we would feel valuable we would do all we would receive all the things that we long for but we don't live in that space we pursue love as if we have to pursue it we pursue value as if we have to pursue it yet it's just given to us freely because we are reconciled we have been given a new life but we don't necessarily often live that way why not well, I think one of the hindrances to it is a pursuit of knowledge, as if I need to pursue more information. So I have a daughter who recently got her driver's license. She's now legal. Is she a mature driver? Somebody please say no. She is not a mature driver, but she's licensed. She can now legally do it. Well, what makes her a mature driver? Driving, (laughs) doing the thing, and driving up and down country roads is not the same thing as going to the city as the same thing as going over to O'Hare, right? Like we're going, hey, that's coming, sweetie, get ready. We're going to start practicing that so you can come pick daddy up from the airport when he gets home. Most of us, as reconciled individuals, we have our driver's license, we're reconciled, but we spend all of our time just reading the book and we don't go actually driving. And you know what? We're like, oh my gosh, you know what's on page 17 in the third paragraph and the third word. You've memorized it. That's amazing. Have you driven yet? (laughs) No. But you've memorized the book. Some of us hide behind the consumption of information because, well, I'm not ready to drive yet because I haven't consumed enough. I haven't thought it through enough. You've got full access to the love of God so you can go out into the world and just give it away. I'm like, yeah, I need some more Bible study, though. I'm not quite ready to do that. I don't quite understand it enough. Well, if you could understand it, you wouldn't need the Spirit and you wouldn't need Jesus. Am I poo-pooing Bible study? No. But you know what? Most of you all probably know more than the disciples knew 2,000 years ago. You have more theology, you have more doctrinal insight, but do you know Jesus as well as they did? Probably not. Why? Because they walked with him. They did life with him. You guys, we, have the ability to do that ourselves. Are we doing it? So I mentioned we're going to do some interactive stuff, and so we have to, I have two exercises for you. Joe is going to come up on these couple occasions, and he's going to enter us into a reflective space. My question for you is, do you know how to receive the love of God in a fluid, ongoing basis? Sometimes what we think prayer is is just talking at God. But do you know how to sit and receive what he wants to give to you at any point? Love is going to be first order of business. So Joe, come on up. So get ready. This may make some of you uncomfortable. But I'm going to ask Joe to play. And while he's playing, we are collectively going to just sit with God. And we're going to ask him to make us aware of how much he loves us. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where your mind's going to go. But don't try to control it. Don't try to manage this process. Just allow yourself. If you want to sit with your eyes closed, sit with your eyes closed. If you want to stand up, stand up. If you want to walk around, walk around. We all need to do different things sometimes. I'm a walker. I'm a mover. I need to move. But spend time now as Joe begins to strum, allowing yourself to envision yourself sitting with Jesus and receiving his love and looking into his eyes and knowing that you're loved and that that's what's available to you. We'll spend a couple of minutes in this space. Allow yourself to do that. last piece here. He says, we're speaking for Christ himself. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. My encouragement to you is to reflect even now. Am I a friend of God? Do I function like a friend of God? Or is it rote? Is it prescripted? There's an opportunity for all of us to live in a space every day where we just walk around aware of his love for us, aware of his craziness about us. Do you allow yourself to do that, and do you allow yourself to believe that? I'll talk to the guys for a second here, and I'll say, "As guys, that's a tall order, man. Guys know how to do stuff, and in the doing, that's how we show love, and that's how we feel love, because a lot of us as guys never just received love from a dad figure, yet there's a father... Want you just to receive love, not even do anything for it. And then to the ladies, sometimes women struggle with self worth and self value. And they need to look to somebody else to validate them. And there's a father in heaven who says, Here's my kid. I just love you. Will you please just receive my love? If you are in Christ, you are reconciled, and those are free gifts for you. Not just on Sunday, not just in three minutes on a Sunday, but every day, all day. And if you live from that space, your families will become stronger. Your marriages will become stronger. Societies become stronger if we live from that space. It's available to us all the time. Take inventory on what it would look like for you to do that. So the second thing that Paul talks to the Corinthians about, after talking about how we've been reconciled to God ourselves, is this idea of reconciling with each other. We are a very divisive people by nature. This is what I believe. That's what you believe. We're now divided. We become very clear on my position and your position and how we're different, how we conflict. We even do it in church. This is what our church believes. That's what your church believes. We're right. You may not be right. But yet, the one prayer that's really long of Jesus was all for what? the unity of the body in John 17. If we've been reconciled to God, then we have to reconcile with each other. That one's not talked about very much. We say go love your neighbor. Go do things for people. But you can do things for people and not actually love them. So John walked with Jesus for three years. And in 1 John, this is what he says. This is the fourth chapter, if you want to read it later. If anyone boasts, I love God, and then goes right on hating his brother or sister, treating them poorly, thinking less of them, thinking nothing of it because that guy's a liar. This is what John says. If someone says, I love God, but goes on hating a brother or a sister, he's a liar. Because if he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. Part of what John's referring to is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So this is what Jesus said. Again, this is chapter 5. Jesus is standing there talking to 15, 20,000 people on a mountainside. I don't know how he's doing, hollering, he's yelling. And he says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend. And his unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. <laughs> right. Right. My enemy is supposed to bring out the best in me. Oh, maybe he means the reconciled version of me, the part that's reconciled to God, not my natural response. This is what God does. He actually gives his best. He gives the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless of the good or the bad, the nice or the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, what do you expect? A bonus? Even sinners do that. Go back to the car analogy. It can be really easy to sit and read about how we're supposed to love our neighbor and to think about how we're supposed to love our neighbor and to think about even doing nice things for our neighbor. But does that mean you love your neighbor? Well, only you know that. To love a brother or a sister. Now, let me be really clear. Some of us in this room, actually, probably all of us, have been really hurt by somebody at some point in life. Hurt by a mother or a father or a relative, a brother, a sister, a cousin, a friend, a pastor, somebody. And instead of dealing with that hurt, we've stuffed it, and we're, well, I'll deal with it when I'm dead. It doesn't matter. What does it, it matter now? Well, in a second, Joe's going to come back up, He's going to strum some more for us. We're going to give you a space to reflect with God, God, who do I need to reconcile with? And reconciliation sometimes has nothing to do with going and talking to the person. It has everything to do with what is going on inside of you. Because there may be people that have passed away that you need to get clean with God with. There may be people that live in another country, another state, another city, that you need to get right with God with. And quite frankly, there may even be people in this room that need to get right with each other. Or for those of you watching, there may be someone in your house that you need to get right with. I'll read it again. Paul said... God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and to enter into God's work of making things right between them. You can't say that you love God but yet be holding something against somebody else. Jesus himself at one point even says, when you go into the temple and if you remember you have something against somebody, drop it and go reconcile with them. But yet here we sit. Some of us have stuff against people. I have something against somebody. I drove here this morning and God prompted me that during this next reflection time, it's my turn with you. I need to get right with God with this person. And it's not someone that's hurt me. I'm pretty Teflon ish, right? Not much sticks to me. But if you hurt one of my family members, you hurt one of my kids? In my flesh, it's over for you. I am coming for you. Some of you have people that have hurt you or people you care deeply about. And you have to reconcile with God. With them. So Joe's going to go ahead and start. and We're going to give you a space to let God search your heart. To say to him, God, who do I need to reconcile with? This might be hard, might be uncomfortable, but this is an opportunity for us to connect with the heart of God for people that he loves and that we need to love as well. God, in this process of just receiving from him receiving his heart for you and for other people and I hope that you believe that this is available to you anytime you want and the more that you can get used to and practice being saturated in his love and being aware of his love the more you're able to give it away The more you're able to give it away, the more reconciliation happens in our society. We don't need more division. We don't need more clarity on why this person's right and this person's wrong. We don't need more of that. That's there. What we do need is people looking to build bridges. That's what we need. We need families strong with reconciliation. the church big c and little c this is your big chance to actually make difference in society it's by going out and loving and reconciling people to each other and people to god so god thank you for the opportunity to do that holy spirit open our eyes to the opportunities to do, get to have to do that and jesus thank you for the model and for the friendship that you offer to us.